You may be seated. Thank you, worship team. A great opportunity of worship and leading us in worship this morning. Praise the Lord. Praise God. I'd like for you this morning to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1 through 6. I'd like to give a special appreciation to Cindy Bowen, did such an incredible job last Sunday preaching. We are blessed at this church with anointed preachers in this church that uh, it's not just a pastor, but there's ministers in the house that God uses and preaches in such a wonderful way with great anointing. Won't you just give people in the house that preach, give them a round of applause, appreciation, amen. Last Sunday, Cindy preached with this particular text in mind, and it was uh, her message was simple gospel, and I thought it was a great message, so much that actually one of those verses of Scripture is one of my favorite verses of Scripture when Paul talks about he doesn't want them to veer away from the simplicity in Christ. And that simplicity is so important. I think we've made sometimes Christianity very complicated, and, and we've made actually Christianity faith somewhat of at times a show and demonstration rather than just living that everyday life and being faithful to God. And that's so important that we don't lose track that it's all about Jesus. It's all about him, about our Savior and him redeeming us and saving us. So I just want to thank God for that great message. But I just couldn't get away from that text, and so I'm just going to go a little bit further, not to seem to add on to what you're saying, but in a way it can, because, you know, with Scripture, you can just go on and on and on. We could preach a whole series for months on John 3.16, because the Word of God is alive, it's quick, it's powerful, it's just inexhaustible. It's not like any other book. The Bible's not like any other book that's ever been written. This book is a living, breathing word of God. And the years that I've read the word and gone through the word, every time I go through it again, it's like once again something else, something else comes to life, something else comes to view. It's because it's a living, breathing word. The Holy Spirit works through the word of God. Pray with me right now. Will you stretch your right hand forward and pray for me to God to help me to preach Help me share this words on my heart. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I ask you, Lord, that you just touch every one of us in this room. Lord, that you anoint us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Not only me, Lord, who's the speaker, but I ask you, God, that you give a rhema word in the hearts of your people, a living word that will transform us, that will inspire us, that will cause us to leave this place today in a different way looking at things in a new and fresh way. In the name of Jesus Christ, I ask it, Lord. Amen. Amen. I'm going to read from the Amplified Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 1 through 6 as a text. And we're just going to go, go there. Paul's writing to the Corinthian church. Now, Corinth was not exactly a, I mean, it was definitely a city that was ripe for the gospel because they were so far away from God and never heard the gospel, never heard about Jesus. And 
Paul goes into Corinth and begins to speak to these Gentiles that are involved in paganism, involved in worshiping many gods, involved with you know wicked wicked things. I think it was uh, uh, said at one time that in Corinth that there were more prostitutes in Corinth and more gods than what there were people. Because it just there was just so much overwhelming presence of wickedness. And here Paul walks in there. And he he began and he burst that church. So he has every right to say some of the things in this chapter in the book of Corinthians. And he had every right to share it and let it come alive in you right now. He wrote, he said, I wish that you could bear with me a while and indulge in a little foolishness, but Indeed, you're bearing with me as you read this. He says, I'm jealous for you with a godly jealousy because I have promised you to one husband to present you to a pure virgin as a pure virgin to Christ. But I'm afraid that even as the serpent beguiled Eve by his cunning, your minds may be corrupted and led away from the simplicity of of your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For you seem willing to allow it if one comes and preaches another Jesus whom you've not, uh, whom we've not preached, or if you receive a different spirit from one you've received, from the one you've received, or a different gospel from the one you have accepted. You tolerate all this beautifully, welcoming the deception now, it, that seems like the church of today, welcoming deception, welcoming things of the world, and incorporating the world. Let me tell you, the church is not a business. A church is not in the so-called marketing business. We're in the business of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, that gospel at the very beginning in the world is not being accepted only of people who will listen, but mostly as a whole, the world rejects the truth of Christ. The world hates you for his name's sake. The world hates that you bear the name of Jesus. The world hates the church and Christians because we believe in the Bible as being true. And as the days go on, even in America, Christianity is growing less and less important and more and more being a target of attack right, right. by the secular world right, right. because the people of the world and the church of this age wants to accept as though the church of Laodicea becoming lukewarm and accepting the, the false teachings of the world. This is the truth. This is the way. This is the only answer. This is our guidebook. This is our map to make it to heaven. If you veer from this, then you're following some other gospel, some other word, some other faith besides Jesus Christ. And so he was concerned that here they were accepting false teachers and false ideas. We need to be careful. And the best way we can be careful is that we know this book. We read this book. We know what the Bible, that our worldview becomes a, a biblical worldview. And then when it comes down to election, let us measure all candidates according to the word of God. Let us measure every laws that come before the Supreme Court according to the word of God. 
Let this be the principle by which we live by. Let this be our spiritual constitution that we abide by and believe in. Because God, God is our God and he's in charge. Praise the Lord. Let me go on. But then he says, he said, Yet I consider myself in no way inferior to the so-called super apostles. But even if I'm unskilled in speaking, yet I am not untrained in knowledge. I know what I'm talking about. Can I say that again, even though that's an amplified Bible? I don't know if it's in that one. I may, yeah, it looks like it is. I told Noah today, I'm not sure if I have the same year uh, amplified Bible as our program does. But that one phrase, I want to highlight that, even though it is added into that scripture, it brings an understanding when Paul says that even if I'm unskilled in speaking, yet I am not untrained in knowledge, I know what I'm talking about. But we have made this evident to you in every way in all things. Paul also writes in 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5, and I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive way, words of human wisdom but in demonstration of the spirit and the power and that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men but in the power of God that word wisdom is really interesting because if you look at that in the Greek it's Sophia and it's a word that means skill, insight human or divine intelligence the definition of the word is knowledge of what is true or right, coupled with just judgment as to action. In other words, the difference between, I, I learned this when I was a boy, heard a preacher say this, I've never forgot it as long as I've lived. He said, there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is what you have learned. Wisdom is the right application of what you have learned. That is wisdom. Paul wrote to the Corinthian church and told them that his preaching wasn't with the persuasive words of man's wisdom, but of demonstration of spirit and of power, and that their faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. The wisdom of men will get you so far and usually will mislead you, but the power of God will transform you. And the wisdom God gives is a wisdom of understanding by experience. Our connection with Jesus is not purely informational, educational, but it's experiential. It doesn't begin in the head, but in the heart. A faith that starts in our spirits and then demonstrated by the way we live and the decisions we make. That in, in turn it corresponds with the word of God. A faith that grows by experiencing the presence of the one and only true God along with discovering how effective the living word of God is against anyone or anything that rises up against the knowledge of God. It's experiential. 
We experience God. We know God. We come to that place so much in Scripture. It says in Hebrews 5, 13 and 14, for everyone who lives on milk is doctrinally inexperienced and unskilled in the word of righteousness. But he, but since he is a spiritual infant, but solid food is for the spiritual mature whose senses are trained by practice to distinguish between what is morally good and what is evil. In a life of practice, we are trained because we have learned to practice the truth. We have learned to live in the wisdom of the truth of God. It's in a life of practice, we are trained. In other words, uh, I, like an old person said one time, uh, we're educated in the school of hard knocks. We know what's going on in life. We've experienced life in what's going on. And, and Paul says, I'm not like the super apostles, but I want you, though I'm not very skilled in the things that I say in my presentation, I stand before you today as an unpolished preacher, though I've been preaching for over 40 years. I'm still a very unpolished preacher but I will tell you because of my life and the more every day I found Christ to be the center of my life that he has made me I am trained by the spirit and by the word of God and I declare you and I'll say to you and everyone in this room needs to make this declaration I know what I am talking about You ever been to a store when someone didn't have a lot of confidence, someone waiting on you? The worst of places is going to a hardware store and going in there, and then when you ask for this, this, and that, and it's a big, huge Lowe's, a lot of times, when I first moved in this town 20-something years ago, when I first went to Huntington, to Lowe's, someone said, I need to go there. It's a great place to shop. While I went there, it's almost as though the employees avoided me. They, when I walked toward a cluster of employees, they scattered. Oh, hey, 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 wait a minute, I got a question. Need someone to help me, but it never fails in the harbor, so you go in there, and then you get that, you get that answer. Well, I don't know, I only got hired yesterday. We see more of the inexperience and the lack of confidence in, in the service world in, in everywhere now, whether it be a restaurant, whether it be Harvard's, that's just where we're at right now, okay? And the workforce and the way the world is right now. But I feel so sorry for someone who stands there and they just kind of mumble and bumble and, you know, then, then eventually say, I really don't know what, let me go get someone else to help you because I can't help you. I want you to know that's the way the enemy would like for us to be. But you and I, and those, how many here have been a Christian for four years? Raise your hands. Okay, how many have been a Christian for, for uh, eight years? Raise your hand. How many have been a Christian for at least 12 years? Raise your hand. Do you see what's happened? We've got people in this room that have been educated and led and grown by the Spirit of God and the Word of God that you've been schooled for four years, therefore you have your bachelor's. Then you've gone on two more years, six years, and now you have your master's. And then you go on past eight years, and now you're a doctorate. And now
now, now you really know what's going on because of the growth and the progress in Jesus Christ. Some of you have your stories. Some of you have your battles that you've gone through. Some of you have your situations that the world said and people around you said you're not going to make it. You're going to die but look at you today and, and you come into this building. Some of you have had your battles with COVID and you've had your battles with cancer and you had your battles with a broken home and a broken marriage but look at you now because you may be unskilled in the preaching and the teaching field but you are not unloaned you are not unlearned you can say I know what I am talking about you don't bumble and mumble but you have a confidence because of your relationship with Christ is not educational and in the head, but of the spirit man, that you've found him to be true. You've found him to be a savior. You've found him and you are thoroughly convinced you are not insecure, but you are confident that I know what I'm talking about. Can somebody please say amen? Can somebody please agree with me that you know that you're one of those individuals? Uh, will you just lift your hands toward heaven and glorify him and praise him and thank him for how far he's taken you? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Hallelujah. Paul writes, Timothy and he tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 5 through 17 that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work you are thoroughly equipped for every good work by that we can say with confidence I know what I'm talking about this is my testimony this is your testimony testimony defined if you know so many times we take words for granted what they mean and we think everybody knows but a testimony defined as evidence in support of a fact or statement it's proof it's open declaration or profession as of faith. You are being a witness and you say this is my testimony. I have tried and I have found it to be true. I have tried it and I found it to be true. I know what I'm talking about. In the Bible you can find testimonies. Testimonies of the, the blind man. That Jesus healed. He went and spat in the dirt, created mud and rubbed mud in the eyes of a blind man. Boy, is that not politically incorrect? Walk up to a blind man. I need to be healed. Jesus then spits in the ground, takes the mud, and smears it inside. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what CNN would have went with that? And all the rest of the bunch, how they would have had a heyday 
Oh my gosh, what has he done? What? But the blind man, he had the great eye. He just listened to what Jesus told him to do. He said, now you just go wash in the pool of Siloam. You know what he did? He stood there and said, why'd you do that to me? Why are you doing it? You're crazy. You're out of your mind. I don't believe that I asked you to do something, but yet you did that. He didn't do that. He had someone leading to the pool of Siloam. He washed his eyes. He got up and he was blind. He could now see Jesus that he that blind man and then when the religious skeptics came by who wanted to declare Jesus being a sinner because he wasn't like them but that ex-blind man said he says oh if he's a sinner I do not know he said all I know is I was once blind but now I see you see I know what I'm talking about what he was saying I know what I was I'm talking about woman at the well she sat there and Jesus offered living water to her Jesus revealed to her her sinful condition and the details let me tell you sin needs to be exposed by detail a person will not fall under conviction and need a change in their life unless there's a word of knowledge given to them and a truth not this pat on the back. Well, it'll get better. You'll be better. No, they need to see that they need to repent of their sins. Confess of their sins and repent of their sins and then they'll be saved. They need to feel the feeling of conviction. We want to sidestep conviction. We want to just bring them all in on a fun moment in time and be seeker sensitive. It doesn't work that way, my friends. We are here to preach the word of God. We are here to share the truth. Uh, we want to see the beggars delivered and the blind man healed. And we want to see the demon possessed set free. We want to see people's lives change. We've got to direct and begin to speak specifically against sin. Instead of just playing around with it. Playing around with it. Conviction brings confession. Confession brings salvation with repentance. But conviction's got to be there. How many of you believe that conviction's important and great? Hey, I want you to know, that's what got you. Uh-huh. That's what got you. That's what got you. God, the Holy Spirit, loved you so much, he made you feel bad about your conviction, about your situation, and about your sin. So he says, I'll make you feel bad, but I can heal you. I can forgive you. You don't have to stay in this way anymore. You don't have to live your life this way. Woman at the well, she heard Jesus speak. She realized, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. After he revealed to her her living conditions contrary to the word of God, and she realized that he was, a, he was Messiah, she left the water pot left her water pot, went running into town, began to tell the townspeople, there's a man that told me all that I ever did. That's detail. He told me all that I ever did. And then they went back, and according to Scripture, that they meet up back with her after they leave town. They go see Jesus, and then they run into each other, and then they tell the woman at the well, now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. I know that, listen, lady, it's great for your experience, but now we have our experience, and we know what we're talking about. He, in, he is indeed Christ, 
the Messiah. The world doesn't need wishy-washy Christians. The world needs confident Christians who are in the word of God, who know the word of God, who apply the word of God and share and lead them to Jesus Christ. The world is looking for true, born-again, confident Christians. Their faith is strong, and they know in whom they believe. They know him, and they know what they're talking about. Then the Matthew's Gospel, the scene of the Jesus' cru crucifixion. He's hanging there. The sky darkens. He cries out, it is finished. It is finished. You know, I heard that shared a little bit today by another preacher on television before I went to church this morning. And something dawned on me. Did you know that when they went and they were going to give him a drug to dull his pain, they dipped it with a hyssop branch. <laughs> you know, the hyssop branch was used on Passover. And it's almost as though at that moment when they dipped it in there and they lifted it up to the Son of God, it was at that moment Jesus said, it is finished. He became our Passover. He became our Passover lamb. It's finished. The work is done. The work is done. It's finished. But at that moment, the sky was dark and the earth shook. And, and, and there was an earthquake moving. The elements were affected because the Son of God dying on the cross. And then that centurion said, surely this is this was the son of God. He said, I know what I'm talking about. I've seen thousands die on the cross and beg to want to live and suffer and die, but no man spoke like this man. No man had the effects of the world around. No one, no one made a difference of the people around them except this man. Surely this man was the son of God. When you came to the cross, when you and I came to the cross and found Christ, we got up from the altar, we confessed our sins and got up from the altar and said, surely this man is the son of God. And confidence, confidence, confidence testified, truly this was the son of God. Paul's conversion in Acts chapter 9, Saul of Tarsus accepts Jesus as Savior. His scales fall off his eyes. He's blinded on the road to Damascus. Jesus gets his attention. He goes to the man Jesus sent him to, to Ananias, or Ananias sent him to Saul. And Ananias went to him and prayed over him. The Bible says the scales fell off of his eyes, and he was filled with the Holy Ghost. He said, receive the Holy Ghost. I believe that's when Paul received the Holy Ghost. I do believe that because Ananias fulfilled everything. Everything happened. His blindness left. Saul of Tarsus, who was Paul, and I believe he was filled with the Holy Ghost at that time. But then we find there he shares his first personal witness testimony, Paul does. Well, the Bible says after he's saved in verse 20 of Acts 9 that immediately he who is Saul of Tarsus preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Amen. He knew that moment. I know what I'm talking about. Jesus is the Son of God. He is the Son of God. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Who is Jesus to you? Is he, are you confident that you know what you're talking about, who Jesus is in your life and who he is as the Son of God? 
Twice in the book of Acts, chapter 22, chapter 26, Paul shares his first personal experience with Jesus on the road to Damascus. Here is Paul, a learned man, a studied man, a man that qualified to be a Pharisee. A Pharisee had to be able to memorize and quote verbatim the five books of the Old Testament. The, the Pentateuch in order to qualify the Pharisee. This man was highly educated. And there he stood before a king and he didn't tell him about the, you know, the, the history of stuff and how it all evolved. No, he says, when I was on the road to Damascus, he gave him the Damascus experience to him. And he tells them that about how he met Jesus on the road and that Jesus speaks to him and tells him, I've appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of things which you have seen and of the things which will yet reveal to you. Paul, I want you to go and share the things you've seen. Child of God, Jesus is saying this morning, I want you to share the things that you've experienced, the things that you have seen, and to share your testimony. And I've got plans further down the road for you, and I'll let you know what to do. You know why people don't hear the voice of God, and they say, I can't hear God? First of all, they're not on the right road. They've, they, they've been distracted with something else. Maybe it's themselves or the problems or the crisis that they're facing. But if they will do what Jesus told them to do and to be a witness, uh, they will find Jesus along the way, each step of the way, telling them what to do. But most Christians, many times, we're, we're guilty of finding how we can still live in the world and be as the world and still maybe live on the edge of Christianity. It doesn't work that way. It's, it's all in. It's all in or nothing at all. It's all in in him. So Paul, here Jesus told him what to do. Paul's saying, I know what I'm talking about. You know what you're talking about. You have five senses. Last time I checked, unless you've lost one somehow or another. Five senses. You've heard the word of God and found that it, it can transform you. You've heard the voice of God with your inside ear leading you to a place of salvation. You've seen the wondrous works of his grace and the power of his promises being fulfilled. And with your own eyes, you've seen people healed, people moved by the presence of God, either under conviction or under the power of the Holy Ghost, causing them to fall down or, or to begin to speak a heavenly language. You have seen it. You know it's true. It's evidence that you just use your five senses. And with your own senses, you've experienced God and you know that he's true and you know that he's faithful to fulfill that which he has promised. And his word is true. Come on, you know, you can shout about it. I know what I'm talking about. Turn to your neighbor and say, I know what I'm talking about. Oh, you do better than that. You tell your neighbor, you preach your neighbor, you look your neighbor in the eye and say, I know what I'm talking about. Have you ever noticed that when it comes to scripture, most of, the, most of the time we don't really quote the exact book or chapter or verse of scriptures. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, and it, it used to bug me. I used to think, well, 
I don't really know the Bible. Don't put yourself down. Do you know why you do that? Do you know why many times you'll quote verse scripture and you don't say, well, in Matthew, and say it out loud. Have you ever quoted scripture out loud when you're dealing with something, dealing with circumstance? You ever pray and start quoting scripture? You don't exactly say, now in Isaiah. No, you don't. By habit, you don't do that. Why? Because the place, let me tell you that this Bible was not organized like it is the original scriptures. It didn't have, it may have had the name of a book, maybe, but not necessarily chapter and verse. That's something we, we, we put in there to learn it, okay, to organize. And it's good. I'm glad we can, we can find it. I could tell you to go look up chapter and verse, and you can look it up and find it for yourself. But how, have you noticed that most Christians, we don't really quote a lot of the the locations of everything just the words and the content and the meaning why is that now i i used to think i wasn't being uh, studious enough but then i realized that not that maybe i wasn't being a good disciple then i realized that not remembering the location of chapter and verse but don't put yourself down if you don't do that i just want to encourage you if you have trouble remembering the place, location, the verse. So if you can do that, do that. But don't put yourself down if you have trouble remembering that. Because it dawned on me. If you're going to walk away with something, walk away with this, okay? I, I, I truly believe God spoke this to me. I never really thought about this, something new, something different in me, okay? So hear me. Hear me now. It dawned on me the important thing was the application of the right word at the right moment. Yeah, that... That is significant evidence that you have taken that scripture and applied it in some place or episode in your life. It isn't so much that you know the exact chapter and verse, but that you know the right place to put those words, to apply them, and to live them out. That's the living word. That's, that's the content. You know, you know, don't give me the other stuff. Give me... Give me, and there have been times in my life, situations in my life, that I just really didn't care about chapter and verse. I needed the words. I needed the content. The devil's on my back. I needed to quote a word and scripture. I need to speak life and power and authority. I need the word of God, the content. I may not have known. I could look up that later on. I can find the chapter and verse later on. But at that present moment, the devil doesn't care about chapter and verse. But he sure does care about what you just said, what you believe in. And you look at him and say, I know what I'm talking about. I've done that many times. I've been sick and I quote scripture. I've, I've, I've faced trial and I quote scripture. I've, I've had financial crisis and I've quoted the word. And the word is life. It's quick and powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Dividing the, the joints and the marrow. You know, the spirit and the soul. You know, I always look at that as conviction, but I'll tell you what, the word of God can be piercing as penetrating, taking care of me, inter interceding, invading my life and my situation and my circumstances. Here comes the word of God. 
The devil trying to throw vines and ropes at me to tangle me up. But here comes the word of God. You know what I'm talking about. You, you know what you're talking about. So walk in confidence. Walk in power. Walk in anointing. Turn to your neighbor and say, I know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm talking about. You know, you know that 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 word of scripture that that if you confess with your mouth and believe uh, Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes the righteousness, and with the mouth confessions made unto salvation. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved though your sins be as scarlet they shall be white as snow hallelujah and there are times of the blessing of the baptism of the Holy Ghost though it's not real popular in the nominal churches and it's being omitted by the popular churches and they keep pushing aside I want you to know the baptism of the Holy Ghost is true because Jesus said told his disciples tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And that also the word says, for this promise is unto you, is unto you, to your children, and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord God will call. And Jesus said, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Is it in you? Is the word in you? It don't matter what Facebook says. It don't matter what your doctor says. It doesn't matter what your bank statement says. It doesn't matter what your spouse has just told you. It doesn't matter what your children are saying. What really matters is where is the word and how you apply the word and how faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's how it is. That's how it is. Oh, I could just go on and on. You know, healing, you know. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. Hallelujah. Any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing, praying over him. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. This is on and on, a healing by his stripes. We are made whole by his stripes. We're healed. Needs and petitions in my life. When, when I'm, I'm dealing with something, I just know it says ask, and it will be given unto you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and the door will be opened unto you. And I know the word it says, and you know it. You can say it. You can quote it with me. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. Hallelujah. On and on and on. We pray and we believe. He answers because his word declares his spiritual battles. Spiritual battles. How many times you have uttered the words uh, in the midst of a fiery battle and you said, greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. Uh, amen. He will keep them in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Yet in all these things we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. Have you ever spoken those out? Yeah, ever spoken that? And I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength. 
on and on and on and on. I'll give you the chapter and verse later on. I just want the word and the truth and the world needs the truth and the truth will set them free. The children of God need to live according to the word of God and be able to declare to the world, I know what I'm talking about. My experiences and everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I can't leave out the rapture. There are some churches that do. Yeah. Throw away anything you have from the worldwide church of God. Throw it away. It's not us. Not a part of us. It's a cult. Throw it away. It's garbage. They don't even believe in the Holy Spirit as being a Godhead. One of the Godheads. And they don't believe in the rapture. But you do. You do. Huh? 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 Oh, yeah. yeah. For, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of the archangel and the trump of God shall sound and the dead in Christ shall rise first and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Yeah. Jesus said, therefore, comfort one another with these words. Jesus said, behold, I come quickly. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. I come again. I will come again. If I go, I'll come again and I'll receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Oh, let us never, 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 never look at this in a passe way or a casual way. Let us never, never, never but then to think that preaching and the word of God is outdated and out archaic. Let us never, never, never sing any songs that does not pertain the word of God in it and the truth. Let us never, never, never have any teaching or preaching that's contrary to the word of God because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We're lost without it. We'll never win without it. We've lost already if we ignore it. Oh my. Why? Because we can with truth say, I know I know what I'm talking about. Anybody here witness? Anybody witness? I know what I'm talking about. Uh huh, uh huh. Right now, the Holy Spirit's making you relive some experiences. He's, he's running it through your mind, your remembrance of this, remember this, remember that, remember that. You quoted scripture. You stood on the word of God. Look at where you are right now. You've been trained and skillfully cha- trained in the word of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The devil's lost. He is defeated. We are the children of God, a great and mighty army that know in whom we believe. And on and on, the word comes to us. They have worked over and over and over again in our life, the word of God. But you know what my job is? Would you stand with me? Do you want to know what my job is? I like what Peter said. It's this. 2 Peter 1, 12 through 15. For this reason I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things. Though you know and are established in present truth, you're living in present truth, you're living for God, you're living in the truth. Yes, I think... 
It is right as long as I'm in this tent to stir you up by reminding you. I'm supposed to remind you. Remind you. Though I may sound like that wife or that mother that reminds you, that always reminds you to take out the garbage, always reminds you to fold up your napkin and put it away if it's clean, always reminding you to put the dishes in the sink. Do you know what I'm talking about? Always remind you to put your shoes away. Always remind. But you know what? You remembered. You remembered. And God has called me to remind you. Why? There'll be another that will fill this pulpit one day. There'll be another pastor of pastor's church. And you know what they'll do? They'll remind you. And remind you. And remind you. Keep the faith. Believe in the word. Read the word. Pray. Serve the Lord with passion. They'll remind you. And when they're gone, another one come around. And if they're doing the work of God, they'll remind you. They'll remind you. They'll remind you the things of God and the word of God. Paul, Peter writes, he says, Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my deceit. He said, after I die, he said, you're going you're gonna to remember. You're going to be reminded. Because I just have to do that. Then he writes in 2 Peter 3, 1 through 2. This is my second letter to you, dear friends. And in both of them, I have tried to stimulate your wholesome thinking and refresh your memory. I want you to remember. I want you to remember. Now the devil, he gets your mind all messed up about your present problems. He'll get your eyes, make you put your eyes on circumstances instead of the solution. But if something rises up in you that, oh, I remember what the Word of God says. Then that means that pastor, that preacher, that teacher's done exactly what they're supposed to do by reminding you. Why? Because we defeat the devil with the Word of God. Why? We defeat our flesh by the Word of God. Why? We reign and have dominion. Sin has no dominion over us because of the Word of God, because of Jesus. But over and over again, our victory is because you decided, I know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm talking about. Have you ever gone on a search in the Bible to find out and some word according to your problem and your circumstance? Do it. Because then the Holy Spirit will show you the Holy Spirit will reveal truth in you and I guarantee you, you will be more than a conqueror. God will give you victory because of the word of God. But if you neglect and you and I neglect and do not pay attention to this word and never read it and never search it, then we'll never apply it. And if we don't ever apply it, then we'll never have victory. We will never be able to overcome the forces of this world. And boy, are they masking their force their forces right now aren't they my how they're raising their ungodly head against the church of Jesus Christ and against this word but this word assures us victory 
this word gives us power and authority. This word will transform our life. This word will change the circumstances of our life if we live in this word. Why? Because, come on, you know what I'm going to say, don't you? You know what I'm going to say. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I know about what I'm, what I'm talking about. I know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm talking about. You seasoned saints, let the word of God flow out of you. You seasoned saints, let the truth come out of you. Declare to this world the answers that we find in this word and that this word is true. Now I wonder this morning, there's somebody who says, Pastor, I'm, I'm kind of wishy-washy in my, in my faith. I need God to confirm and God to help me. And I make a commitment that the word of God is going to take first place in my life. Because I want to declare and say, I know what I'm talking about. Maybe you're here and you say, my faith's real weak, but I need God to touch me. Just raise your hand. Maybe you're, you are not a Christian or you're backslidden. Just raise your hand. The Lord loves you. He'll receive you. You'll leave this place victorious through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You're sick and tired of your life because the Holy, Holy Ghost is putting a squeeze on you. Squeezing you because they're letting you see the tension and the problem in the life that you're living. Turn to him right now. Anyone in the house, anyone, anyone just slip your hand up and lay it down real quick, real quick, real quick. Hallelujah. Now, how many in the house say, Pastor, I want to walk in that word like that. I, I want to keep on walking in that word and keep on believing in the word of God and it being my language, my talk. Oh, God. Just raise your hand toward heaven. God, see your hand. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. Just leave it raised, leave it raised. It's heaven that's going to intersect your life. It's the Holy Ghost that's going to teach you right now. Going to speak to you about what you need to do and how you can do it better. He'll teach you and he'll guide you. Lead and guide you into all truth. In the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Father, we glorify you. We praise you. Now speak to me. Speak to me, Lord. Speak to me. In Jesus' name, guide me, Holy Ghost. Take over, Holy Spirit. Take over, Holy Spirit. In the world of, of division, I want to be a person that is solid, that I am thoroughly convinced, and I'm sharing the message of Jesus Christ in this lost world. Oh, Lord, let the word come alive. Let the word come alive. Come on, lead us in worship, Noah. And just let's just praise him. Let's glorify him. I was buried beneath my shame. Yes. Who could carry that kind of weight? Yeah. It was my turn till I met you. Yeah. I was breathing, but not. Alive. All, All my, my failures, failures I've tried to hide. 
Yeah. It was mine too. Till I met you. Yeah. You called my name. And I ran out of that grave. Yes. Out of the darkness. Into your glorious day. You called my name. I believe our worship to the Lord can be specific. How many here that are listening to me this morning say, Pastor, when you were preaching, I remember when I was facing sickness and I began to quote the Bible and the Lord did something in my life and he touched and healed me. Raise your hand. All right, leave him raise, leave him raise. What about those of us here today say, Pastor, I faced a major crisis in my life and I didn't know which way to turn, but then I began to speak the word and the word made an entrance to light. <laughs> light shone in darkness, that's scripture. And, and that things turned around, raise your hand. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. I wanted there's some folks also just leave your hands raised. Maybe you're here and you've had a specific need in your life. And you begin to quote the word of God. Faith rose up in you and God met that need. Just raise your hand and leave it raised. Some of us need to raise both our hands because there's so many circumstances that are beyond, beyond recognizing. But Lord, now I want you to be specific with your praise. I want you to praise him for that one thing you raised your hand for. Start praising him how he worked it out, how he healed your body how he delivered you, how he got you out of certain circumstances, how he intervened in your life. Start praising him specifically for that one thing. Lord, I glorify you. I thank you, God, for my healing. Oh, Lord, your word come alive in my healing in my body, oh, Lord. Oh, God. Oh, God. Yeah, that's it. That's the Holy Ghost moving. Just praise him. Praise him. Glorify him. Thank him. Thank him. Thank him. Hallelujah. Do you know what's happening on the inside of you? Faith is rising up inside of you. The Holy Ghost is bringing about a remembrance in you of what God has done. God is revealing himself to you and you're experiencing the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My gosh. Let's go on and sing some more. Needed rescue, yeah. sin was heavy. The chains break at the weight of your glory. I needed shelter, I wasn't yeah. orphan, but you called Woo. me a citizen of heaven. When I was broken, you were my healing. Yes. Now your love is the air that I'm breathing. I have a future, my eyes are open. When you call my name, I ran out of that grave. Hallelujah. Out of the dark.
Hallelujah. Now you go out and you start telling people. Go out, start sharing with them what God's done for you. Go out and by all means, share your testimony. Because you know what you're talking about. 